tired. So tired. Overtired. You're listening to Overtired. I'm Christina Warren, and I am joined as always by Brett. Uh, by Brett Terpstra. I was going to say Brett Severance Gunzel, uh, which would be which would be funny. No, I'm big news. Big news. <laughs> Your two favorite podcast hosts got married. No, uh, by Jeff Severance Gunzel and Brett Terpstra. How are you guys doing? So well, tired, but good. I uh, I tore my meniscus at um, at a bookstore. <laughs> what uh what what bookstore was was it like was uh, it was a in, bookstore with a jungle gym no every bookstore i realize is ableist because you can't get down to that bottom shelf if you're That's you know true. if you have any trouble like squatting or bending over or eye problems whatever so i was i was at drury lane books in grand marais minnesota which is right on lake superior it's an amazing tiny independent bookstore and it is a great example of how good curation can make a small bookstore feel big and i like to go there we go there every spring break uh to grand marais and i like to go to that bookstore and look at every book um just scan every shelf and i was squatting down to scan the bottom shelf and something july 4th like happened in my left knee and i tipped over And then a couple days later when I'm home, it swelled up super bad. And I went to, by the way, orthopedic urgent care, right? Okay. That's a thing. Oh, that's and, nice. I didn't and that know. is amazing. And if you go to the rich suburbs, uh, nobody's there. And so <laughs> you get right in. So anyway, how am I doing? I'm actually doing good, but my knee hurts and I... I, uh, it's been pointed out that it's a it's the nerdiest thing ever to tear it at a bookstore. For, well, for, for the show notes, what was the name of that bookstore? Uh, Drury Lane, D-R-U-R-Y. Like the Muffin Man. Like the Muffin Man. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I figure it's – I love independent bookstores, so we'll we'll put them in the show notes. Maybe, Absolutely. Maybe someone will be like, hey, I want to go to the place where Jeff uh, tore his meniscus. Yeah, yeah. If you have you guys ever been to <laughs> Literati in Chicago? God, I lived in Chicago, but no. When? How long has it been around? I have no idea. A while, but I don't know. At least five years, maybe twenty, for all I know. But great no. bookstore. So, quick note from the editor: the bookstore I'm talking about here is actually in Ann Arbor, and I visited on the same trip as I went to Chicago, and I mix up my locations. But the reason Jeff had never heard of it. It's because it's in Michigan. Great no, the one, the ones that I know, and I know Seattle has some, but I'm going to be honest with you, Seattle's a city kind of sucks. And Portland has Portland, Portland has, has Powell's. Well, they, I, yeah, they have say, Powell's. I was yeah. going to say Portland has Powell's, and then in New York it's Strand, and and that's just like the best. Um, yeah, I, like, I was just getting into this with someone like Powell's is Strand, but better somehow. Yeah, agreed. But <laughs> but but it's one of those things like 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 the Strand was like not far from where I worked, so. I might, have yeah, told the amazing. Story. I might have told the story before, but I had this, it was like the greatest day ever where, and it didn't start out that way. Uh, I think this is actually a good segue to mental health corner. I got off the subway. I was like 8.45 in the morning, which for me was early because I never got to work like in time for the 9 a.m. meeting. That was just sort of a known thing that I was going to either be on the call or I'd be coming in late because like I just mm. didn't, I just was not a morning person. So unless I was on TV at like, 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. or something, I was not in the office early. Get off the subway, and I just like had this overwhelming sense of dread. And I was like, I can't do it today. I can't do uh. it. I can't go in. I can't do it. 
And so I made up an excuse because back then, this was like six years ago, like you could seven years ago, like you couldn't say, oh, I'm having a mental, I need a mental health day. So yeah. um, I get, I, I make up an excuse. Like I was like, oh, I just threw up or something or another. I was like, I've got to go back home. But instead of going back home, I was like, I don't really want to go back home. I know I can't do anything else. Like, uh, like I can't do work today, but I don't know what else I could do. So I went to the Strand and I walked around and like as soon as it opened, like I had to wait like a couple minutes and I walked around there for a while. I wound up buying a couple of books and then I found like a 10 a.m. showing of, of, of Spotlight like, cause that was in huh. theaters then Yeah, at, at the, at the, uh, Regal and, and Union Square. Is that the one about the Boston Globe's coverage of the sex yes. scandals in the church? Okay. Yes. Got it. And it's a, just a fantastic journalism movie. It's just a great movie all around. So I see that movie at like 10 AM in a fairly empty theater. And it, keep in mind, I'm, I'm within blocks of my office. So I, at this point I'm like, mm, I got lunch, but I was like, mm, you're going to have to go home because someone will see you. So then I like went to Prospect Park for the afternoon and then I went home and it was like the greatest day ever. That's nice. That's it was like nice. I, I played hooky, but it was like it was much needed. And then like I, I was able to come back to work like the next day and like actually be able to function. So I in my experience in New York, we lived there for like three or four years. Like those days where you're like, fuck it, I'm walking around like it's got that sort of Ferris Bueller's whimsy to it. Totally. You know, it's such because you can go anywhere and you can do any kind of thing. And it's so great anyway. I love that. Anyway, so that that's that that's my like bookstore slash mental health treat yourself story. Go you want to know? Go to a bookstore. Go to the go go to the movies. Go to the park. Yes, the most oh man. So I used to work in warehouses. It's pretty hard to feel bad about calling in sick to a warehouse. Um, and I did one day, and it was a it was a music distribution warehouse. It primarily distributed independent labels related to or adjacent to Ryko disc, which had like Frank Zappa's whole catalog. And they had like evidence, which had like Sunra's whole catalog. It was just an amazing warehouse and we would get amazing visitors. Henry Rollins came once to talk to us when he, he started this really cool label with Rick Rubin called infinite zero back in like 96 or seven. And it was just meant to get stuff back into print. That was most important to just the two of them. Um, and Henry Rollins for all the weirdness of that dude came and addressed just the warehouse workers to tell us how much these albums and these CDs mean to him and how grateful he is that we're helping to get them out into the world. That is classy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then the other thing that happened was I called in sick one day and I learned at the end of the day that Bootsy fucking Collins yeah, yeah, yeah. had visited the warehouse. Oh, you missed him. Who was a hero of mine. Going back to when I was a kid, that was my first concert was Parliament Funkadelic. Like, and I loved him so much and I was so sad. And I have an autographed CD thanks to my friend Joe, but it doesn't feel good. It just reminds me. <laughs> that you weren't there. I wasn't doing anything wrong. It was a shitty warehouse job. Like I shouldn't have been punished like that. Bootsy Collins. I could have shook his hand. I could have just heard him, you know, talking. And then you you never missed another day again after that. Yeah, no, I got fired about two weeks later. <laughs> I, I, uh, I was, I was, uh, the first strike was the president of the company came into the warehouse and there was a vending machine right next to the door. And I was on the floor with my arm all the way up the vending machine, <laughs> trying to get a candy bar. 
And he just looks at me and he goes, get out of there. And then <laughs> a couple weeks after that, I organized a pallet jack race where we would all just like, you could use them like scooters. Yep. And the corporate meeting offices look down over the warehouse. And at one point I see in that window, like the entire administration leadership looking down on us just like shaking their heads and so <laughs> anyway eventually i got fired which was the right right thing for them to do um and uh anyhow calling in sick days sick days mm -hmm. mental health Glad days. i don't have to do that anymore all right so speaking of mental health days um i should i start yeah I, yeah do it i just want to point out that brett is talking to us as his cat yes. is in the foreground staring, staring at him. Staring me down. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm like, I love your cat so much. Anyways, all right, go on. Um, what are we talking about, Brett? Okay, so the the first update I have is um, a week of microdosing mushrooms. Um, I wrote a blog post about this, um, and things were going really well, uh, except L... L did not appreciate that I was so publicly putting illegal substance use out on the internet where it could be linked forever. And um, so I, I uh, redacted the post and uh, I put up like a, Hey, you know, when things are decriminalized, I'll tell you more about this, but I think it's okay to talk about here. Maybe yeah. you won't put anything in the show notes, but um, I, I found the right dosage of the, the current strain of mushrooms I'm getting is about 200 milligrams a day. And at that dosage, um, like there's no, no visuals. Uh, you don't feel like you're tripping at all. Like that's not the point. Um, but uh, definite mood elevation, definite attention um, improvements. And uh, I feel emotions, a wider range of emotions than I usually do. I get, huh. I get more excited and more empathetic and, uh, it, it, it was going really well and it wasn't causing any mania, but then I had this snafu where, so I went to the hospital back in December, uh, with, cause my watch told me, right. That your heart, that my heart rate was elevated. Yep. And then, uh, the doctor at the at last time I got a refill for the first time, she's like, I can't give you a refill on Vyvanse until I hear from your doctor. And my doctor does not respond to messages or emails or calls. Even uh, the only way I've ever talked to him is to see him in person. Um, so fortunately I had a meeting, uh, an appointment coming up soon. And I did, I went to see him after I'd been off Vyvanse for about three days. And he said, there's no problem. Uh, like it was a fluke that you were in the hospital. There's no reason to stop your meds. And most cardiac events uh, aren't ex exacerbated by stimulants anyway. Um, so uh, he, he, he said, sure, go ahead, uh, continue the Vyvanse. I go back to my doctor who, as I've mentioned before, is moving to another practice. And the, in between her denying my refill and me getting approval from the doctor, she had officially left the practice and discharged me as a patient and could no longer fill my prescription. And so the only option was to go back to my doctor and ask him to fill it until I can see her again. And like I said, he doesn't respond to anything. So I didn't have a lot of hope. Um, I, I sent a message through the portal and I made a phone call and talked to a sympathetic nurse and a day later, he did come through, and I got my vitamins. 
But when I'm off Vyvanse for a few days and I take it, boom, manic episode. So Thursday night, I didn't sleep at all. Um, released a whole new project. It, I love it. It's great. Um, but I am not caught up on that. Yeah, I haven't written about it yet. You'll see it soon. Um, but in the, in, I slept last night uh, pretty well. I think the manic episode was short lived. Um, I don't seem to be manic today. So it was like a one day cyclothemia, cyclothemia kind of event. So that's where I'm at now. Coming, coming off a manic episode, have my Vivance back, um, learning more and more about microdosing and getting really good results from it. To summarize, in summary. That's great. I was just talking to my cousin the other night about uh, his experience microdosing, and it's super frustrating how far ahead of the laws um, this particular thing is, you know, it's like yeah. really frustrating because it's technically schedule one, it's illegal to have, but everybody I know who has tried it is five, six people have only reported for them very positive effects. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's just, that's a small sample size. I mean, but. The, the medical community though is very much interested in decriminalizing hallucinogenics so that yeah. they can, continue what have proven to be very hopeful studies thus far. I think yeah. Washington, is it Washington that allows me medical use of mushrooms? I think so. I think so. I, I, I don't know the details if that sounds right, because most things I, are- I know there's at least one state that lifted the ban on mushrooms and, may, and maybe acid. Maybe it was Colorado. They were they were leaders in the weed decriminalization. So yeah, I think it is. Sense. In fact, I'm I'm looking at a Colorado public radio story called "Stressed Out Busy Moms Say Microdosing Mushrooms Makes Life Easier and Brighter." It does. Um, it really does. It, it yeah, it's it's great. And I just want to read one of these sentences. Mommies who microdose are among the fastest growing groups of followers. <laughs> in this. Mommies who microdose. And and also the photos in this are by my old colleague, Hart Van Denberg, who's a wonderful photographer and nice. a wonderful man. I put it in the show notes. Okay. He, all right. He, he, here's where it's decriminalized. It is decriminalized. And, and this is according to the Wikipedia page, which is the status of psychos, uh, psilocybin mushrooms. Um, and then they have like possession, sale, transport, cultivation, and then the notes. And so the United States, just for possession, sorry, let me scroll down to where this is. I really do hate Wikipedia's, the, the way they do the tables, <laughs> honestly. Um, in the future, I will use ChatGPT for this because I bet it would be in a, in a prettier way. All right. It is illegal, but decriminalized in Seattle, Washington, Ann Arbor, Michigan, <laughs> Oakland, and Santa Cruz, California. Somerville and Cambridge, Massachusetts, Oregon, so the whole state of Oregon, and Washington, D.C., and it's legal in Colorado. All right. Ah, okay. So, so it's decriminalized in Seattle, um, but but it's interesting that it's just Seattle. So I'm like, okay, is it just the city of Seattle? Is it like the other – probably is just the city. Um, and, and it's decriminalized in Ann Arbor. <laughs> because, you know, you got you to you, you, you like let the, the, the rich, like hoity-toity folks – <laughs> um, have access, but also, I mean, honestly, it makes sense, I guess, from like a medical school. It's a, it's hospital. a big, yeah, it's a big college town with a big medical program. So. Right. Yeah. Th that's what I'm saying. So that makes sense. Oakland and Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz, I can see Oakland feels a little okay. Um, cause there's not, it's not like there are good hospitals in Oakland. There are good hospitals in Palo Alto. 
Uh, there are good hospitals in San Francisco. I don't know if there are good hospitals in Oakland. Um, uh, There's got to be good hospitals in Oakland. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think so, but but I will let our Fuck you, Oakland. I will let listeners correct me um, what I'm sure is wrong. Uh, Somerville and Cambridge. So, you know, Cambridge makes, makes sense. All of, decriminalize all of Oregon and Washington, D.C., but then Colorado is just like, fucking legal, dude. We don't care. <laughs> I, it's it's so weird that it's by and large so like city by city like is it just that hard to get state legislation passed that the cities the cities were like we'll just within our with our within our borders you're fine probably and well i don't know like in washington in washington state i feel like it's something they could probably get passed but i don't know but i also know this the the seattle city council who's I hate and I think that they're completely like incompetent and I'm so glad that the piece of shit um, city councilwoman is not running again. Um, sorry uh, to the people who are, are fans of uh, uh, Kashama um, Sawan, but she fucking sucks. Um, but Christina's coming after everybody. I, I Oakland, am, I, the city council. I'm, it's mostly just Seattle. <laughs> I've just been pissed off at Seattle for the last couple of weeks, to be totally honest with you. Okay. Um, but, uh, but, but my, my city councilwoman is a, she fucking sucks. She's the fucking worst person in the world. Um, she's like the, she, she, she's the person who makes all socialists like look bad uh, because yeah. she's such like a, like a, 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 she's so left. She's like, it goes into just like, a, it, it, it goes into parody status and literally like makes everything that we fight for like harder because of assholes like her. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I can see it having no problem getting passed in, in Seattle city council. I would think they could do it statewide, though. Maybe it just takes more time. I don't know. Minnesota still hasn't legalized weed, but we can have edibles. We're close. Yeah? Yeah, it's it's pretty much... I mean, we have a completely democratic government at this point, and so it's one of those things that's just going to kind of slide right through. I just yeah. don't... Under- I, I read this, this deranged National Review article this week from some, like... I felt very sad for the family, but I was just like, wow, you guys are completely taking this out of like blaming the wrong thing who are going on this anti like legalization of marijuana scheme because their schizophrenic daughter who overdosed. It's very sad. They blame her schizophrenia on the fact that she like smoked weed in college. Mm. And it's like, is that legit? That's not what they mean when they say gateway. Yeah. That that is legit. I'm told that my drug use may have caused my bipolar. Um, it, it, there are other members in my, on my mom's side of the family that had bipolar, um, all of which are dead now, but, um, I was told by both my therapist and my psychiatrist that drug use, uh, in a young brain can lead to complications such as bipolar disorder. I, I think, and I don't know, cause I'm not a doctor, but the studies and the things I've read, are that if you have something that's latent that's already there, it, it's possible that drug use at a young age, and it depends on the drug. And and, and marijuana, I think that there's there's some dis, you know th- there's some confusion about this. I think it would have to be a lot, and I think that it would have to be a very specific circumstance. Could be the thing that could like maybe quote unquote like set someone off, like unlock what's already there. But I think that it's like a, a massive reach to be like this caused it because as you said, like you've got other members in your family. You don't know whether they did, you know, drugs or, or or not, but it could also even come down to like, well, this could be, you know, medications that you're on um, could do things too. I think there's some people who might be, you could make an argument are predisposed 
um, to to developing certain conditions and maybe like drug use yeah. speeds it up. I mean, I but, had I had bipolar symptoms uh, in high school, and I didn't really get into. I was I was drinking in high school, but I didn't really get into like any massive drug use until I was like sixteen. So my first couple years of high school, I was definitely displaying symptoms of mania and depression uh, before. But before. Drug use. Uh, there's also, I think, an argument to be made that people who are, uh, you know, potentially um, having symptoms might be seeking out drugs yeah. to self-medicate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, that's the thing is when I when I think about like my my heroin addiction, um, it very much like I sought it out because of my my mental kind of imbalances, my needs, um, like the need for dopamine and the need for a kick and the need for a way to numb my feelings. Like it was all very much like my mental health led to that kind of addiction. Right. I don't think, I don't think normal happy people seek out heroin. Right. No, I, I don't think like, yeah, I mean, I, and I don't know who does. I mean, like, I think it, it, maybe you're bored, maybe, you know, you don't know whatnot, like, because I've certainly done certain drugs when like had nothing to do with like the state of my mental health. And you're just like, okay, just, fuck it. I wanted um, to do something dangerous. I get a real kick out of throwing caution to the wind. And I couldn't think of anything more dangerous than than doing hard drugs. And no, fair enough. Like I, I get I, it was real exciting. It still is. The thought of like doing drugs is very much appealing to me. Like all of my bad experiences combined don't make it any less appealing. Is 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 it, it that you know that you could die? Is it the risk factor? Like no, or, or is it the taboo and it being illegal and dangerous? It's the taboo and just knowing that it's gonna feel really good and and I can forget about everything else for a little while. Not just problems, but forget about everything else and and just focus on on, you know, the drug. Yeah. Uh, did you did you watch um Fear the Walking Dead? Fear I did. Walk- I, I, well, I watched like the first episodes. few years. Yeah. There was so this character Nick played by Frank Delane, who's just amazing mm-hmm. in this role. Yeah, he's um, the junkie, right? He's yeah. the junkie, and I I was just curious if you had seen it. Like, th- there are all kinds of stages of his experience that get represented, and he, I think he does a really powerful job of representing them. But there is this moment where he's been almost like willing to be reckless when things are getting dangerous around his family. And, and there's a point where I believe he has to sort of make a decision and, and his family's, you know, urging him not to. And he makes this point of like, I've been close to death so many times, like I've died, (laughs) you know, he's like, I'm, I'm ready. But he talked about sort of how he kind of hit at that thing about the risk of it. um, Which is something that like, I don't think, people often understand about heroin addiction or heroin use is that that sense of like walking up to the ultimate line yeah potentially and not knowing how you're going to come out of it yeah is that is that i mean does that resonate or is that kind of a fair reflection of what you just said to some extent i just i've never like i started thinking about my mortality at a very young age and um i think i just kind of accepted that i'm going to die one way or another and it wasn't necessarily a thrill to like seek out death, but it didn't, it didn't scare me. So I don't think, I don't think that was a reason I did it. I don't think that was where the thrill came from. Um, but uh, a side note, 
ADHD people, it's it's been theorized that um, we exist because in an evolutionary capacity, um, ADHD people are the ones that notice when things are wrong fastest and in situ- in pressure situations, we're the ones that take control. We're the ones that are like suddenly come into our own. Yep. We're like, no, I got this. And we're willing to take risks. We're willing to do dumb things to like save the day. And like for like early man and even even early, even post AD man, like that kind of characteristic needed to exist within a community. Uh, it's less so now. Now it's more of a detriment. But like in especially a hunter gathered society, it it makes a lot of sense. You would yeah. want you would want the ADHD kids. You would want the person with 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 the low <laughs> impulse control. It's so interesting because my ADHD like. I don't have like lack of impulse control. Like that's not one of my, that that's like not one of my symptoms, uh, which is, um, which is interesting. I don't think that I'm not, and I'm not trying to like make this across gendered lines because I just don't know enough, but I do wonder if, because there is a, whether it is genetic or um, um, if if it's like a, you know, sociological thing, you know, you see the difference a lot of times, like, uh, and I know this from my mom, like you can observe very clearly little boys who have ADHD in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Like it's very, very obvious. Yeah. Little girls, it's not as usually because they don't have the same lack of impulse control. And I don't know like what the reason for that is. I don't know again, if it's like a, a you know, a, a genetic thing, like a chromosomal thing, or it, if it's just like a, a conditioning thing. Yeah. No, like, I, it definitely presents differently in, and females. And 100%. Males. Like, like, because, because the thing is, is that I definitely was a lot more, and I wouldn't say I had impulse control. I was just more like, I don't give a fuck. Like when I, before I entered elementary school, I was definitely like, my personality was definitely much more like, um, outgoing and like they called me the wild woman and I would like do you know some things that you might might strike you as 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 impulsy things but but then I don't even know how to like grip that because I'm like okay if if you're two years old like what 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 does that mean you know what I mean um but um I didn't I didn't have any of the symptoms when I was in elementary school like people never would have thought that I was ADHD but then looking back at it and I'm like oh no I I had those things it's just I was able to cope with it very well and it was hidden. And well, so I, yeah, I, the, I, don't, what, I don't, I didn't get diagnosed until I was, you know, like 15. Same with autism too. Like girls at a young age become better at masking yeah, symptoms than totally, boys do. Totally. Although I, th- I think like for my ADHD, it wasn't even a masking thing per se. I mean, like some, there was, there was some masking. I would mask my depression, but like, I didn't feel like I was masking you know, like I, I remember when I got diagnosed, I was like, this is insane. And it was one of those things that, that I even like blamed. It's funny, kind of going back to the topic, like I'd been on Prozac and Prozac is the thing that seemed to kick off like the most overt ADHD symptoms I'd ever had, where I was no longer able to control if, if they'd been there before, like I would maybe put things off and I would maybe, you know, kind of get into scenarios where I would have to, you know, kind of crunch, but I was always able to do it and it was never a problem. And then Prozac, I was like literally unable to focus on anything. And I've, I've never, I've never felt more like stereotypically ADHD in my life than like huh. when I was on that drug and then even going off of it, it didn't stop. And so there was, you know, like uh, causation is not, you know, these things are not correlation, whatever correlation, not causation, whatever the, the phrase is. 
but there was like a an instinct where you want to say oh this happened because of this but like i i don't think that would be an appropriate thing for me to be like oh i went on this antidepressant yeah and that's what caused my adhd like yeah, no. because i can go back and i can look at oh no i had these other latent things now did it exacerbate a thing that yeah. was already in my mind and maybe have it present itself earlier and more acutely than it would have otherwise sure um but like i i would i wouldn't say that we need to ban prozac the same way <laughs> right. you know like again like as awful as i feel for the, the the individual family whose you know daughter like went from being seemingly perfect to having schizophrenia and then dying it's like you know she was she was schizophrenic she wasn't going to be okay if she'd never yeah. smoked pot you know yeah 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 that's really interesting uh that that prozac connection though yeah um that's I mean, not for, a that's not a side effect i've ever heard about no and, and it's not one that anybody else has ever seen but it was so acute it was literally like an overnight thing like it was huh. literally a, a like you you're taking this drug and a complete See, important a comport, an important component of your personality completely changes. Doesn't Prozac have like a one month titration period? Like I, I'd be curious. Like what what chemical reaction happened? Uh, because like for depression, you don't even see depression symptoms get better for I think it's a month. Ooh, it depends, and and I'm very sensitive to medication, um, especially in SSRIs, which is why I can't take traditional SSRIs. Mm. And, and we found this out because I went on like 15 or 16 different ones in a, <laughs> in a small period of time. To I know to how that goes. Off. Yeah. And, and there, there's another component there, which is my, um, my age was one thing, but my body weight and my bone age was another. And this was before a lot of doctors had experience prescribing these sorts of things essentially to children. Because when I was 15, my bone age was eight and a half. And I weighed like 68 pounds. So, mm. you know, um, Bone age. Ha- so, so yeah, like, the, so they'll, they'll scan your, your wrists and stuff and they'll like compare like the size and like the density and things of your bones to, and, and oh, yeah. bone density is yeah, part and, of it. Okay. And, and they'll, it. Uh, they'll, they'll age it that way. And, um, I, I was so small and, and like hadn't gone through, you know, puberty and all those things that it was one of those things that like having, you know, they were having to look up on, on their, you know, charts and things. Okay. Well, how, how do we even dose this? How do we even prescribe this? Because the normal dose would be this. How do we give, how, how do we dose this to someone, you know, um, this size? Um, and so, which was, which was, a, which was a challenge. So, um, I don't know, like it could have been a, but, but it was one of those things where it was within days. It was definitely within a week where I noticed on Prozac, it was like an instantaneous, like, Oh, I I can't focus. I can't pay any attention. I remember my mom sitting in the um, kitchen table with me, trying to run flashcards for me to learn my biology, like study for a biology test, and her just being almost like in shock because her straight A, like type A, like child, like couldn't focus on her face and couldn't remember one thing to the next and couldn't stop fidgeting and couldn't, you know, have any amount of 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 um, like recall. Yeah. Wow. Huh. So I don't know. Yeah. Bone, not to like, but bone density was something that we had a member of our family who um, was having just kind of had two weird stress fractures out of nowhere. And bone density is the kind of thing that 
you have to have the right doctor to even bring it up. I and mean, we went to a couple of doctors, nothing came up. Then all of a sudden it was like, I think I called my cousin to talk to him about it. He's like a, he's a podiatrist. And he's like, first thing he said, get the bone density checked. No one had done that. It's so interesting how, how you can, how there can be such a big thing that just gets missed. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and that's something like, I always have to like bring that up whenever, um, I have any sort of, you know, like, like break or whatever. Like I had to mention it when I was hit by the car and like, I broke my wrist bring it up. I was like, so you should know, you know, I had to go on certain things and like, I you know my bone density age, other stuff. I've, I've less, like I, I was basically told when I was a child, I was like, yeah, you're going to have osteopenia osteoporosis. Like it's, it's not a, will you, it is a, when will you thing? Yeah, like it's, okay. it's, you know, okay. it's like, you know, um, so, you know, I had to point that out. I was like, might look okay in this thing, but this is not the way it goes. Like, even if you, if you meet me in person, like you'll notice like my bones are still very small. Like I'm, so, I'm, a, I'm a small person, but like my bones are like petite in a way that it's like, you know, I, I appear smaller than I am. So you've been, you've been 29 for at least five years now. Do you yep. think your, your bone age has oh, caught up with question. you Oh, good question. Good question. That is a good question. I don't know. I should get that. <laughs> I should get that done. Um, I don't know. Because it's possible that it could go higher, like, you know what I mean? Like it's it's possible, like no, no, because it's it's possible that like oh. that, that it could that it could inverse. I don't know. Or could you take your actual age and if your bone age is younger, use that in a little bit of math to be able to really truly say I mean twenty nine. I mean that is sort of like my my like rationale for you know remaining as young as possible as long as possible. Yeah, is the fact that actually you know. I've got like a five and a half, like six year, like deficit between, you know, I'm 16 in bone years. Exactly. <laughs> I'm 29 awesome. in bone years. <laughs> That's great. But I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. That was my mental health update, but I didn't mean to interrupt you, Brett, but are you, oh, are you doing no. okay now? Yo, yeah. Yeah. No, that was a very thorough mental health update for Brett and, uh, and Christina's kind of slid in and overlapped. So, uh, yeah, I'm good. Jeff, how are you? I'm doing I'm doing good. I my what's been on my mind a lot lately, which is certainly a mental health connection, is chronic pain. And um and I just want to shout out to all my chronic pain people out there um who who can only <laughs> only you can know how truly debilitating chronic pain is. It is very hard for the people in your life to hold that, right? Like to hold it constantly, in part because you're not always acting out of chronic pain, right? Um, but the thing I've been thinking about is I, <laughs> I've been making so many doctor appointments to deal with various kinds of chronic pain. I mean, I'm, I'm a really, I'm a big guy. I'm six, four, I'm like two seventy, thanks to Seroquel medication that makes you gain a lot of weight. Um, and I recently like gained weight sort of sore fast because of that medication that my joints were like, Oh, ho, ho, not ready. Didn't warm up for this. And, uh, Anyway, the chronic pain thing that I just want to say, and I want to say to anybody out there for whom this might be useful, and I understand there are a lot of people with chronic pain for whom this won't be useful, but that I've had some good luck recently by just getting in to somebody who I trust to talk to. That's a hard thing to do, and I'm definitely leading into our ZocDoc sponsorship, but... Um, but I have found some really key relief by finally just going in, which is a thing that's hard for me to do. In fact, when I went in with my torn meniscus, I've actually had some issues with that knee for about a month or two. And he said, what have you done for it? And I was like, 
I'm a Scandinavian. I didn't do anything, man. I thought about thought about surviving the next winter. Started gathering <laughs> berries. That's what I did. <laughs> anyway, I mostly am saying that just to like send out like little empathy torpedoes to everybody out there who's who's experiencing chronic pain and, and is frustrated and paralyzed by it sometimes. Zoc doc. <laughs> I, uh, I I wrote I wrote I put together a new script for us, Christina. It'll be a cold read for you. All right. This episode is brought to you by Zocdoc. All right. So you've been suing about a health problem you have. Maybe you've torn a maybe you've torn your meniscus. Maybe you're concerned about like what is the bone age of uh, of, of your arm. Uh, maybe you've got something else going on. You're almost resorting to texting your your group chat to get your friends' opinions. Which you know what. Depends on your group chat. I'm, I'm going to be honest about you uh, with with you on that. Like, depends on the group chat. You're extremely unlikely to find quality medical advice in your group chat. But again, it's going to depend. Uh, but you can find it from a doctor on Zocdoc. Thousands of medical professionals on Zocdoc are there to help you, and they listen like a friend, and they give you expert care that you need. Zocdoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient reviewed take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. So no more Dr. Roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't even met yet. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and scheduled just right. I'm one of them. I've been using ZocDoc for more than a decade. Um, it is my go-to place to find a doctor. So go to ZocDoc.com slash overtired and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash overtired. ZocDoc.com slash overtired. ZocDoc.com slash overtired. Slash overtired. Oh, um, we, should have har- we should have harmonized. <laughs> overtired. I'll take the high part. No, I can't do that. Um. So uh, we are once again telling our listeners about the Tech Meme Ride Home as our promo swap. Uh, when, when the New Yorker magazine asked Mark Zuckerberg how he gets his news, he said the one source he definitely follows is Tech Meme. For four years now, the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast has been Silicon Valley's favorite tech news source. The podcast has become so successful, in fact, that it launched a venture fund where the listeners are where the listeners to the show are the LPs in the fund. The Tech Meme Ride Home is like TLDR as a service. It's not just the latest headlines from the world of tech, it's also the context around the latest news of the day. It's all the top stories, the top posts, and tweets and conversations about those stories, as well as behind-the-scenes analysis. Guests who have come on to lend their experience include Andreessen Horowitz's Chris Dixon and Bloomberg's Apple rumor king, Mark Gurman. The folks at TechMeme are online all day reading everything so they can catch you up. So listen to the one podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every single day. Search your podcast app now for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. Boom. We are sponsored. Should we talk about some Mac stuff? Yes, let's let's please. We were having yes. we were starting to get into a really good bitch fest right before we recorded that I want to yeah. hear from both of you about. So, yes. I feel like I feel like that's a vital part of the Apple community is just complaining. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it's important. If, if you don't complain, things don't get better, right? That's exactly true. I don't think my complaints help things get yeah, better. Yeah, same. The two of you, I think, could make some could make some motion. <laughs> I, I, ha- I have successfully bitched on Twitter on a couple of occasions and gotten things fixed. Um, for for individual teams, like I can see like the WebKit team listening to someone like you or maybe even me, but Apple as a company. Oh no, absolutely not. No, no, no. But I'm just saying like, yeah, if you can get things in front of the right people, um, and to be clear, like in, in like the most recent case, which was like a, a TVOS instance, it was an issue that had been in a backlog and then, um, the, the, the hornet's nest that I kicked up that other people then added on to then like made it prioritized. And I'm very thankful to the people who, who prioritized it so that I can access my Apple TV library on my Apple TV. Yeah, that's handy. It, it's useful, right? It's useful yeah. to, be able to access the, the things you purchased on the device that, that the company makes when you can access uh. it on all the other devices that are not made by that company in their app, but not on their latest and greatest um, device. Yeah. Last night, my girl, we were sitting down to uh, group watch um, Ted Lasso and my girlfriend's sister. I love this season. So good. It is. It is really good. But my girlfriend's sister loaded up Apple TV on her Mac, uh, the TV app, and it came up and basically said she had nothing in her library. Oh, yeah. Yep. This just she- happened to us. Yeah. So thanks. We troubleshooted it, troubleshot it for a little while. And, uh, and then I was like, have you tried turning it off and turning it back on? <laughs> And I rolled my eyes because, you know, generic advice, but she rebooted her computer and everything was fine. Yeah. It, it worked. Yeah. Weird. It always works. So what's interesting <laughs> on the Apple TV, if you are still running into problems and they're, they're clearly have issues, it's, it's not, it, it's clearly an Apple problem because they don't have this problem on other clients. Like it, it is, it is on their own clients. Like if you're using the uh, Apple TV app on a fire stick or on an LG web OS TV or on. Wait, you can Roku, do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Because yeah. once they decided they actually wanted people to watch their originals, they realized sure. that they couldn't rely on people to spend two hundred dollars yeah. on their at the time pretty shitty in comparison like yeah. set top box. That's pretty like, obvious. Yeah. Right. Like at, at this point, I, I think that the pricing is better and it's a decent experience. But I would still say I can get a Fire Stick four K like forty bucks. Yeah, you can get for twenty five dollars <laughs> a couple times a year, like twenty five dollars, and I'm like. You can't convince me that this is eight times better because it's not. Yeah. Um, it's not. Um, and uh, so they realized, oh, most people have smart TVs and Rokus and other stuff. So if we actually want people to watch our originals, we have to come out of our bubble and, and make iTunes for Windows. Um, which, you know, that, that's a throwback to the iPod. The whole reason the iPod is a yeah, success totally. is because totally. it was available for Windows, period. Um, if, if, it, if it would remain a Mac only thing, Apple as a company would not exists the same way that it does today anyway so you want to to be fair i own a stick i have an amazon smart tv i have a roku i have two rokus and two apple tvs and i would by far prefer always to use the apple tv i don't disagree and partly the the touchpad remote is a big part of that uh and the interface that's really designed to work well uh with like touchpad thumb navigation yeah um, i agree it's it's perfect it has its shortcomings for sure oh and but I, I i don't see things like the stick beating it out in a lot of the areas it sucks in no i i don't i totally agree with you on that i'm just saying if you're trying to convince somebody to buy one of these things for a lot of people yeah yeah two hundred dollars is as okay much as a so TV. It, 
So it's better, but maybe not $125 better. That, that's my point. That, that, $25 better. That, that's my point. It, it, it's better, but it's not eight times better. Like if I can get yeah. one for $25 and one is $180. Yeah, I see. Like you, that, that, that's my argument. So they make the apps now for those things and you can access, what's great about it, you can access all the original content, but what's better is you can also access your library content. And that to me was what was kind of the game changer. So I travel with, uh, especially when I used to do international travel, I travel with a, a fire TV stick and I was, I would like it because I was like, Oh, now I can watch my massive, um, like library of, of content that I've bought over the years through Apple yeah, TV Yeah, it sales. is massive. I remember. Yeah. Remember you and, telling us. And, yeah. It's like, you know, it, 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 it's massive, but it's not like that bad. It's like. It makes sense year over year, given the time you've been buying. Right? Totally. And and also yeah. they have sales. And so, but, but it's also one of those things I'm like, honestly, like, because some people are like, well, maybe you just have too many things in your, in your library and that's why you can't access them. And I'm like, that's not an excuse. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, especially when I buy them from this company. But um, if you do, if you do run into that problem, Problem, you can use the iTunes store apps on Apple TV where you can then have to go there to your purchases section and it'll show you your purchases and then you can play it that way if the TV app for some reason is not working on your Apple TV. But uh, mm. if you're using a Roku or a Fire Stick or whatever, um, it should work. And if it's not working on your Mac, uh, as uh, L was smart enough to know, just restart. <laughs> I, um, I So... Uh, Apple TV was not on our list of things to talk about, but no. I did want to mention, uh, on my last trip to Michigan, um, I packed our Apple TV and an HDMI cable and that's I was, what I do. I was really thankful for it when we got to the Airbnb and yep. they had a big screen TV mounted on the wall and I could just plug in my Apple TV and it felt like being at home. Totally. All of my, all of my favorite, all my logins were already set up for Hulu totally. and Netflix and yep. It's All of the Apple TV apps were available. My, I got my Plex server working. I could remotely access uh, my friends and my home Synology Plex. And yeah, it was entertainment central. No, if you're traveling in the US, I think that traveling with an Apple TV is fine. My one thing would be if you're going internationally, maybe not if you're wanting to use a VPN of any sort. Or mm. if you're at a hotel, this is the one thing. If you're on a normal like non-captive um, uh, like Wi-Fi network, Apple TV traveling with it is great. If you're on a captive network, yeah. um, the Apple TV does not like that. And yeah. so getting that connected is a pain in the ass. That's why I like the Fire Stick. And actually, Fire Stick has now become a little bit, on some networks, complicated too. So Roku is ironically the best choice, <laughs> So which is my least favorite. But if you're going to be at a lot of hotels, um, uh, take take my advice and, and get a Roku or a Fire Stick because the captive network support that's what you want because otherwise you'll have to do like create try to create like a um you know a, a a separate network connection between like your your laptop and your your uh um apple tv in the hotel to like bypass the fact that you can't log in to their stupid like system yeah, yeah. Um, which... hotels have horrible horrible what, what are they called the you just said it the name captive. for the networks captive okay. yeah they, I hate I hate hotel Wi-Fi. Totally. Um, I have a Roku with a gyroscopic remote. Uh, like you can use it almost like a Wii, and you can like move stuff around on the screen. That's cool. Move. Yeah, it, it it's handy. But yeah, Roku's not 
not great software. I hated that feature on the Wii, though. <laughs> the um, the I think what L, the LG, it's not gyroscopic, but they have like a similar thing. Like some people love it, some people don't. Where like you can kind of, move, but it is sort of gyroscopic, I guess, where you can kind of move the remote to certain ways, and then it's got like this also, you know, this little cursor thing that you can use. And I always have to try to like accelerometer is what that's I meant what the to word say. is accelerometer. Yeah. That's that's correct. Um, and uh, I I understand why it's useful. I also understand why my dad hates the LG remote and and uses instead like the oh, Comcast. The worst. He uses like the Comcast Comcast like the Xfinity box to access all of his apps. Also terrible. And it's terrible and it's slow. And I'm like, use the one built into your very nice television, or use the Apple TV or the Fire Stick because I bought you both. Um, you know, use use one of those. But but uh, that's he doesn't quite get that. He like he prefers like the 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 Comcast interface. I hate those uh, those like the Wii control. I have a Tremor, mm. and so it's just a fucking. Oh nightmare. yeah, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, let's let's we talk. We're going to talk about stage manager. Yeah, let, let's too. I don't think we'll have to spend long on it. No, um, but let's, can I just uh, say yeah. why I brought it up? Yes, like, please. I didn't. I've stopped following um, the OS updates. I mean, I, I update, but I don't look for anything special anymore because I just it's been a while since you don't I read all excited. the release notes. I don't. I used to. I used to uh, as of like two years ago, even. But anyway, I was like, "What's this stage manager thing? Like, maybe this is cool." And I turned it on, and I was like immediately like i was like my grandma with the vcr remote i was like i fucking need a flashlight and what are all these buttons it was it was like it was like how maybe you would have imagined a heads-up display in 1975 is how it felt (laughs) and i was just i got out of there so fast i've never rejected something kind of native to the mac so quickly um or to the os so anyway that's why i brought it up what the hell and my response was it, like I don't use it. I I tried it as well. Um, I don't think I understand. Like on a Mac, on a phone, it makes sense that I would I would want you know one or two apps connected together, split screen on an iPad, and and switch between like pairs of apps. Yep. But on my Mac, I use everything all at once. Um, there's like never a time I don't want access to other applications windows. It's why I have two 32 inch displays. Yeah. Um, same. and, and I don't like the idea that you can't easily access another running app because you have to switch stages. That's what um, blew my mind. I was yeah. like, are you serious? Is there any way out of this? Help, help. And <laughs> I did, however, think it was better, uh, in execution than spaces. Yes. Um, I, spaces like great idea and and like i was i was using whatever the x windows version of spaces was way back on linux in high school and and it was cool to see it come to the mac but the fact is like like i said i have 230 inch 232 inch displays and i just have everything open and spread out and the idea of like separating into different spaces just doesn't make sense for my brain. That's like, I minimize, you know, like I'll hide all apps and just load yep. up what I need. Uh, but I don't want to like flip between, especially once you get more than two, like two spaces. Sure. If you have a set of apps that are less accessed and all go together and belong on a space, great. But you have to flip through more than one space and yep. it's so confusing. No, I totally agree. And then I'll forget like that I have an app open in a space. This is what yeah. my problem with spaces would be. And it just doesn't work with my brain. I'm the same way as you. And it, like you, 
in high school, I really liked having separate virtual desktops. That's what it was called mm-hmm. in Linux. Yeah. I really liked that idea. Um, but for whatever reason, maybe, maybe it's the Mac implementation, maybe my brain and the way I use things is different. Maybe, you know, I did, wasn't using multiple monitors when I was using Linux, that's for sure. Um, and certainly not as big of screens as I have now, but now it's like, I forget that I have it open on a space and so I'll open up another instance of an app, you know, on like my main thing and then forget about it. And then accidentally it's like swipe over and it's like, oh, okay, but that's not where the yeah. tab that I wanted was, or that's not yeah. where the document that I wanted was. It's on this other thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you wind up, at least for me, I wind up recreating spaces that are all identical to one another, but with all <laughs> different things. So it was just like <laughs> the worst case scenario. You're yeah. literally not benefiting from anything. Cause like, I yeah. understand the point being like, oh, I have this set of tasks for this set of things. Right. Context. But, if yeah. they if they neatly fit into different contexts. Totally. Sure. But I never have distinct con contexts. Same. Like I'm same. always well and for me, like it would automatically like if I would say, okay, I'm going if I had spaces enabled a certain way and if it's like, okay, I need to go into this web browser, if it automatically took me to that space. Oh, okay. So I do have context like podcasting is a context yes. for me. And the only apps that I ever access while podcasting are Chrome, where we do our recording, yep. Quip, where we have our show notes, and my browser. Right. And I could easily, and it would be cool to have a separate browser window with just yes. with just tabs Arc. from the podcast. Yeah. Arc does but that, like, and I love it. But I could just open up a new Firefox window in another space, and any tabs I created would be in that window. Totally. So it that is a case where I could see, but I use Bunch for that. I use Bunch to literally like quit all the, all my other apps so I have all the bandwidth possible um, and just switch into the podcasting context. But I could see that with Spaces. But speaking of Bunch, one of the requests I get very often is how do I open uh, a particular app on a specific space or uh, can you interface with Stage Manager? And the answer to both is no. Like Apple has never provided any kind of accessibility or automation workarounds for dealing with spaces, much like focus modes. Like you can't, you, I, focus modes is even worse. Like I should be able to, from an automation perspective, be able to uh, to access focus modes uh, without using shortcuts. Yep. Like you can do some stuff with shortcuts, but yeah, it's just, it's annoying. But, but, but stage manager, like in some ways is even more egregious than spaces to me because spaces is one of those things that I can kind of like turn off and kind of like, you know, I forget that it even exists. You know, I, I stopped activating it or, or whatever, you know, and, um, I, I don't like have to feel like I, I deal with it. Like you have to deal with it from a support issue, but like me as a human, like if, if I forgot, just forget about it. I've yeah. forgotten about it, you know, unless I accidentally click like the plus, you know, button when I when I'm um, doing uh, expose. Is that the, the mode yeah. where you can uh, sell yeah. your open windows? Because that I do love. Like I love expose. Yeah. Um, but but unless I accidentally click on like a plus, you know, menu and add another desktop, and then when I'm swiping, I'm like, God, what did I do? You know, I'm fine. But Stage Manager, you know, it was like touted as like this new like better Windows management thing, which in my opinion, like Mac OS desperately needs like a better like windows manager and it like I, it just does and and it but it was also touted as being this thing that would work really great on the ipad and then on the ipad it's even worse than it is on the mac and it was so bad on ipad os that that uh, uh federico vici you know mac stories who's like mr ipad like railed against it and they didn't release it like they had to hold it back a while until it got better but it's still not good 
And I'm talking about somebody who has an M2, you know, um, iPad Pro, like literally like the latest iPad Pro. And it's like the performance is not good. But then the utility, like I, I just – I understand what they're trying to do, but to your point, Brett, like, you're like, oh, wait, so I can't do this very basic thing that I thought that I would be able to do. You yeah. know, uh, it, it's bad. It's really bad. Did Batichi write about this? Should I yes. find something for the show notes? Yeah, I'll find it. Um, okay. I'll find an ad. But yeah. Um, why do you think, though, like, Windows, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to give like my former employer some credit here, like Windows 11 especially, but also with Power Toys, like they've now added really good tiling kind of Windows managed support like into the OS, like uh, both into the, you know, um, uh, the, the built-in stuff um, for, for, yeah. for the snap modes. But now with, with Power Toys, you can go even further. And it is truly like, you know, uh, a, a, a tiling window manager like for Linux or whatever, but um, at an OS level and very pretty, like, and I know that we have third-party apps on Mac OS, but like, doesn't that yeah. just seem like this is like low-hanging fruit that Apple could just do to really it, in, improve yeah, things? Yeah, they could, they could Sherlock Moom, yeah. which would be pretty amazing, but I really don't think if they build it into the OS, I don't think it'll be better than Moom. Um, I love Moom to death so and, good. and better touch tool with, for window snapping and like hot corners where you can like drag a window into a certain area and it will expand to fit, you know, a quarter or a half of your screen, like that kind of stuff. I have no problem using a third party utility for, um, Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. I just, I wonder like if you, you clearly, they, they recognize that window management is a problem for them to create something like stage manager, right? Yeah. And, and, and in spaces before that, like you clearly recognize that it's a problem. So if you're going to create stage manager, which is a mess, why would you not, I, I guess in my mind, I just don't understand the priorities where you see all of the third party things like move and whatnot. And you see that that's a direction that, that works and that makes sense, but then create this completely, in my opinion, just like over-designed and under, like both over and under-designed like UI paradigm that you're not even going to have an API for. Like... I, w I will say, and I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but on, and I think it started a couple versions ago, but if you have two windows on your Mac desktop and you drag them near each other, the edges will stick. There's this yes. fine, and you can, I mean, just drag a little bit farther and it'll go past it. But if you lightly drag two windows near each other, you can easily align them. Um, that's, that's a nice touch. It doesn't go in, anywhere near your, addressing your concerns, but... Little little touches like that I do impress me about the OS. Yeah, I agree with that. Like that, I really do like like the fact that, like you said, you can get them so that they, you know, they 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 touch or whatever. And I really do like that. But I just I just look at like it's like you're so close. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and then and then you give a stage manager. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. What the so, fuck is this? So your gratitude this week is stage manager then? <laughs> <laughs> should we uh, should we do a gratitude? We should yeah. actually. Um I I will kick it off. My mine will probably not take long. Um I'm going with uh, Microsoft Word this week. <laughs> yes. I'm just kidding. I was gonna say <laughs> that that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. Um <laughs> no, I'm gonna go with an app called Code Runner. Um I used to know the developer and I've forgotten who it's by. Hold on. Code Runner, about I used to know Code the Runner. Too. Oh, Nik Nikolai Krill. Um, 
so this is a little app that basically gives you an REPL or REPL for a bunch of different languages. And you can, it's got a nice editor with uh, code completion and syntax highlighting and everything. Um, and you can write your code for like Python or Objective-C or Swift or Ruby, and you can instantly run it and get console output um, as, you, as you work. And for uh, hammering out an idea, uh, like I love it for JavaScript stuff too, although uh, VS Code and Sublime Text both have pretty good REPLs for JavaScript um, and, and uh, accessing the Chrome console. But um, for, especially for like Python, which I'm not great at and need to test my work often in, um, the Code Runner is just a, a very well done tool that fits a very specific need. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. It's been solid forever. It has. And it, it, it improves, uh, slow, more slowly these days. Uh, but it is, it is, uh, it is solid. It has been solid and it has improved over the years. I don't think it's on setup, is it? Uh, it is actually. It is. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Set up. Code runners on setup. So yeah, so if you are a setup subscriber, which man, I love setup. That's just like my so good, completely unpaid, just like promoted, like so, not completely unpromoted, but just completely like genuine, like I love. I recently revised the script I wrote that will you can run it and it will tell you what apps are on your system that are also on setup, so that you can choose to run the setup version and thereby give part of your setup subscription to. Uh, the developers uh, as a as a subscription fee, um, which only makes sense because set out versions are fully unlocked uh, and and there's no if if an app has a subscription model with a pro level, that's what you get on set app. You get the pro level. Um, but I I revamped it or I revised it with some corrections that I got from uh, from users um, uh, via Mastodon and. Um, I had a couple of people contact me because they ran it and it told them like 20 of their apps were on setup and they're like, well, why would I pay for setup if I already own all these apps? But I just want to clarify that this script is to tell you how you could take apps you own and, and give the developers more money. But there are a couple hundred apps on setups and this script will not tell you all the apps that you could be using that you don't already own. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, can I say two things about Code Runner? Please. Yeah. One is as soon as you open it up, if you've never used it, go into they say settings in the in the top in the menu bar, but it's called preferences in the actual preference window. I don't know what that's about. Um, but anyway, edit file type associations. It's on the first yep. page at the bottom, and just make sure that everything is unchecked yep. so that you don't start opening. Um, code yep. files yep. in code runner. Yep. I did for the longest time. I didn't think to look at that. And it, I, was yeah. like, I don't want this anymore. It's driving me crazy. It's I creepy. kept, I kept forgetting. Like I, I had not set YAML. Um, so every time I opened a config file, code runner would pop up and right. I, I rarely want code runner to be the default editor exactly. for any file type. Yeah. Like I intentionally open code runner. So yeah, d- disable all of those file type associations. Speaking of that, isn't there a Mac app that will tell you like what your default apps are or that makes it easier to change those things? uh, It was originally called RC Default App. 
Um, there's a new version rewritten in Swift, and it might be called Swift Default App. I I would have to look it up. Um, I'll, if I find it, it'll be in the show notes. But yes, um, RC Default App was awesome for uh, doing some very system level adjustments to what uh, file types are associated, uh, what uh, bundle IDs are associated, and even like protocols. Like if you want like a di- different handle handler for like mail to or FTP protocols, and you could set all that in there. And there is an updated version of it. I'll have to find it. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I was going to say, I remember there being like a better version um, or a better like tool for that. Um, and and I couldn't remember what it was because... Just- that- so it it was a it was a system preferences pane right or like a plugin does system set can you even have plugins uh-uh. in the revamp ventura system settings no like all of those apps are gonna have to come up with their own oh that sucks i fucking hate that's that's what i want to bitch about with mac os right now that system setting panel is horrible it's fucking terrible and it's not like it was good before and they changed the name of it so all of my launch my keyboard right. launching like i'm used to typing sp so i had to manually assign sp to open system settings instead of system preferences i hate that no i hate <laughs> it so much and then it's like you know you have enough muscle and like look to be clear anything they changed it with we would have had problems with because you get a certain amount of muscle memory mm-hmm. and they would change the order of stuff even between os versions even when it had the same over yeah. overall interface and that would annoy me because i was like i i don't well, know like so you know system what preferences there's a setting in system preferences on previous versions to display alphabetically right and I, that would be the first thing i always set okay because i never use that move around um, and if it's displayed alphabetically and you get used to it, it's easy to find stuff. System settings, I could not use without the search. No, like, you have to use the, the search. It's the only way to find what you're looking for. No, you have to it's, use the search. It's good search. But... It's, it's good search, but it's not like, but it seems so weird to me. It's like, look, Spotlight is fantastic and 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 we love it. Um, and I'm glad it's there, but I shouldn't have to use a search thing to find like the settings yeah. pane that I want for something. Like to me, that's just a sign of bad design. Yeah. Oh, the other j- side note: I know we're over time already, and you guys haven't done your gratitude yet. But um, y- do you guys use full keyboard access? Yes. So yeah. in keyboard settings, you can turn on full keyboard access, which means that when a dialog pops up, you can hit Tab to switch between the buttons, and then Space Bar to hit a button, um, and I had it enabled in system preferences, but it wasn't working. And like it would, on some apps it would work and some apps it wouldn't. And I couldn't figure out why, but then I discovered that in, um, in uh, keyboard settings, there is a, a shortcuts pane where you can assign system short uh, keyboard shortcuts for apps and function mm-hmm. keys and everything um, in the, uh, keyboard pane of the keyboard settings. Um, there's a, an option called uh, turn keyboard access on or off. There was another one that was like, oh, change the way tab moves focus. And you can assign that to a keyboard shortcut. And I hit the keyboard shortcut that was assigned to it. And all of a sudden everything started working again. It seems to function independently of the full keyboard access setting. Huh? Just in case anyone else is running into that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That is interesting. And, and that is uh okay. 
We're getting into the weeds, everybody. Who wants to stay in the weeds? I like it in the weeds. You like it in the weeds. Uh, do, you, yeah. do you have your gratitude ready? I sure do. Um, my gratitude. So I'm a member owner of a research and evaluation firm that is a collaborative in based in Minneapolis. We do work all around the world. And there's about nine of us. Um, it's all social justice face, uh, social justice based work. Um, and uh, anyway, so I have just tried Grammarly for business. We've always used Grammarly, like individuals in the organization have used it, but we've started to get like, we've started to get like kind of more critical of how we communicate with clients or how we do sort of public facing communication. I remember who's the uh, journalism critic at NYU who- uh, Jay Rosen? You know, yeah. I remember Jay Rosen, I think it was him saying, you know, in journalism, you should treat every thing you do as an editorial product. So your email is an editorial product, like whatever. Right. Now right. that really impacted me as a journalist, having heard that and changed me generally. Um, and we're kind of like hitting that point in our work where we want to kind of treat it that way. I'm trying to talk people into treating it that way. So Grammarly for business, like I've used Grammarly forever, but Grammarly for business allows you to basically turn Grammarly into a like Scrivener level um, feature party. And, and it's just like, it's amazing. So you can create your own style guide. Um, that is just like, it'll just underline something because, you know, like we, we've written things where there and there is wrong, right? It's like, it just happens, right? You, you put the wrong there and you're moving too fast, whatever. Like it happens to a couple of our members. And so I made a style guide that's like, Hey, if you're using the word there, E-R-E or the word there, E-I-R, you're just going to see it underlined. It's like, Hey, is this the right one? You know? Um, and, uh, and then you're allowed to, it allows you to just kind of turn, um, features on. There's about, there must be a hundred features that are like, if you want to try to not use, uh, by, you know, if you want to use non-binary language or if you want to like, uh, use your dates this way or whatever. And so anyway, it's been amazing. And I'm in the process of creating a style guide, which you can do in a CSV file and just upload. Um, their interface is a little clunky, but, uh, if anybody's out there and has the, the funds or the need in a small business or which is what ours is, um, Grammarly for business is amazing. Nice. Cool. Anyway. So in Grammarly yeah. for business, do like, do they not now upload all of your stuff? to their cloud as for training stuff? Like, can you at least stop no, that? They, they do as far as I know. And I don't know if business, I haven't gotten so far cause I'm on the seven day trial. That's a big concern of mine. So I should have said that I only use it for certain types of things. Right. I use it for emails that aren't sensitive and, you know, and honestly I use it to teach myself. Like yeah. I'm constantly learning. It's like, it's wrong a bunch of the time. And there's certain kinds of writing that it's just totally inappropriate to go into Grammarly for. Um, it's like working with a really stubborn copy editor where it's like, Hey, we have a voice, right? Like, and we want to still preserve voice. Uh, don't forget that. Um, but that's really important to me. And I'm not sure of the answer yet, but I mean, I've gone so granular as like, we've had, you know, we've had, uh, emails to clients that are just too informal, right? Mm -hmm. Like we just want to have a record of just kind of formal, clean correspondence. And in case for any reason, something goes wrong and they want to like audit the partnership and they're like, wow, these guys have just been like writing us and being like, let me know LMK or like whatever. So anyway, if you want to be uptight, which I do in this case, Grammarly, for, Grammarly business. for business. Um, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that. Yeah. Cause my, my only concern with Grammarly, cause I think it's a great product, but my big concern has always been like, okay, you upload everything that I write. And, um, so like for business purposes, like we are absolutely not allowed to use it. 
I mean, I'm sure some people do, yeah. but it is it is on our blacklist um, because um, uh, the security audits have come back and they've been like, no. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that was the the, the personal version, the, the business thing or whatnot. And, and I'm sure that uh, we're not the only uh, organization and Microsoft was like this too. I, I'm sure that those are not the only organizations that have those sorts of concerns. And I know that certainly a lot of places have those things in place for, for chat GPT and, and, um, and, and even, you know, things like a co-pilot, which can be uh, turned off uh, and, and, and by yeah. default on business doesn't send anything at all back to anything. But, mm-hmm. but that's always like my, uh, my only weird thing with, with Grammarly, because I find it useful is like, oh, I can't use this for work because yep. everything that you type in is used as their training set. And for, you know, uh, most of my work stuff, it would be completely fine. But there are some things that would be like, eh, you know, don't I don't want that uh, uh, used in some way. Um, that actually reminds me like for I we do some pretty sensitive projects like on juvenile justice and stuff like that. And um, we have sort of a, a document security hierarchy where, you know, you, you've defined like five levels of security. And it makes me think that the most sort of permissive model could be a thing like in this, you can, with this, you can use Grammarly, right? Like with this, you absolutely cannot use Grammarly. So I'm going to add that to the definitions. Once I research the security itself, maybe I'll just decide to bail, but I, uh, love it so far. Good. I have a, I have a quick update. Yes. Um, you may remember, saying? you may remember in the past, we've talked about RC default apps. Yes. Um, Wait, what does that mean? <laughs> the it was the, the system was preference thing we about. were just talking about. Oh um, shit! I drifted off in that. Yeah, that no, was, I get uh, it. I, I was standing in for the listeners, like, oh man, this is good, but I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, right. It is called Swift Default Apps, the new version, and you can use third-party pre- preference panes in system settings. Uh, they show up way at the bottom of that horrible sidebar in system settings. Uh, but once you install Swift default apps, which you can do with Brew, um, uh, you get all, all the all the usual internet URI schemes, uniform type identifiers, and applications, all all configurable. Nice. Now, is this the one that has not been updated since 2019? Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. All but right. It still works. But it still works. Okay. Well, then that that's all I needed to know because I I found that because it was funny. We were both googling for these things at the same time. And I, I found that, uh, and I was like, oh, but this hasn't been updated since 2019. I wonder if this even works. So that is good to know that you can have also custom preference planes, because um, that I, I was not aware of. Um, I thought that had gone the way of the dodo. So yeah. ha- happy okay. that that is not the case. I listened this time. Um, all right, Christina, what do you got? All right, so mine is actually Moom. Um, yeah, <laughs> honestly, Moom, we were Moom, talking Moom. about that, and I was, I was like, actually, you know what, Moom is is one of my my favorites. I've also, I've used a number of these different things over the years. I've used Mosaic. I've used, um, what was one of the other ones called? Um, oh God, like Rectangle or something. Something always back to Moom. Magnet. There was Magnet. Yeah, yep. M- Moom rules the roost. Yep. And, and, and yeah, magnet, that's it. And, and so rectangle, some of those things. And so I've used a lot of these things over the years and, uh, and Moom is definitely the best. So, um, big, uh, big fan of that. If you're somebody who wants kind of a tiling windows manager experience on the Mac, that is, that is my pick, especially one that's like pretty and like easy to deal with. I still feel like that should be like a first party feature. Um, and I, not that I want many tricks to be Sherlocked, but uh, cause I feel, I still feel like Moom could be better, could be like made to be better than, than whatever they were to do built in. But you know, how, 
Like, what more could you ask Boom to do? For it's no, weird no, that I'm we've saying, never what, talked about this. Are we is, sure we haven't? I'm, I, I don't think we have. It's um, not on our master list. So no, I, I we've talked about window managers, but I or like tiling window things, but I don't think we've gotten into this. I don't think Moom could be any better. What I'm saying is, I think that Moom could still be more advanced than what. Oh, oh, I what see. Apple yeah. does. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But but I feel like yeah. there should be a basic thing, the same way that like the the default Windows 11 experience is superseded by what is then done by Power Toys. Um, and uh, and I, I assume there might have been some third-party uh, attempts to, to do things on Windows. Nobody is as good as Power Toys. Power Toys is just the tits. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I still, I, feel, I, still, I feel like there'd be a place where like maybe Moon would potentially be like Sherlock, but they, it would go above and beyond whatever Apple would do. I just, can I tell you? Can I yes. tell you my three three favorite things about Moom? Please. Um, first of all, keyboard shortcuts, so you can like you can say uh, you, you can draw. You get like a grid of your screen, and you can draw in that grid what like a, a window position, like maybe the left half of your screen, or maybe yep. like the upper right corner of your screen, and then uh, you I can divide assign, it into thirds. Sure. You can assign keyboard shortcuts. So whatever the current window is, you hit the keyboard shortcut and it goes to that position on the screen. And I have a bunch of those in muscle memory as I move between windows. Second thing, the uh, it adds so that when you hover over the green icon in the traffic lights, like where, the, where you close the window and maximize the window, uh, when you're yep. running Moom and you hover over that, it brings up a little shortcut panel and it has like this, it looks like a touchscreen on it. And you can draw in, like you click it, and then you you can draw on your screen where you want the window to go. It's very cool. And oh, what was the third thing? Um, I, oh, I, I, that feature I now use more even than my keyboard shortcuts. Weirdly, I don't. Yeah, know. same. Yeah. To be honest, and window sets. Uh, well, I can't. What do they call them in Moom? But you can like you can store once you get a bunch of windows of specific apps in the positions you want them in. Um, they're called snapshots. Uh, you can take a snapshot and it will remember those apps in those positions. So the next time all those apps are running, you can trigger that snapshot and everything will go back to where you want it. And can I, I, <laughs> I, I incorporate that into bunches. So it launches all the apps and then, then uses Apple script to tell Moom to move all the windows. The way I use that feature is if I'm working on like a project that requires, you know, a bunch of windows and I've got them all organized, um, I take a snapshot like that morning of the workspace. And then throughout the day, once I sully it with other things right. that are open and whatever else, I do the keyboard shortcut for it and it just resets to, to where it needed to be. And I can think clearly again. Good pick, Christina. We had a lot yeah. to say about this. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Moom, very, very good stuff. It's a, it's both in the Mac app store and without it, I tend to, I don't, okay. I know that we're going long. I don't buy Mac app store versions of apps. If I can buy a non Mac app store version, uh, where, where are you two with that? Cause if anything, Same. I, I'm like, I, I go out, I try to avoid the Mac app store version if at all possible. Yeah. I've, I've transitioned to that. I mean, it was a couple of years ago, but like, that's totally how I how I am. And, and in fact, the last time I used a brew file to set up a computer, I was amazed because I used like MAS, which mm -hmm. is like, you know, and uh, I was amazed at how few Mac store apps I had. Um, it looked wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brett. I, I wish setup was a little easier to interact with, like from the command line or whatever else. Yeah. But, uh, 
uh, agreed, anyway. but 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 I also understand that that would be like difficult in, in a lot of regards. Like you could probably you could probably make case. it work. Yeah, it is an edge case because that's the thing. It's like you could. There's a way you could make that work with Bruce, but it would be so much effort that I yeah. that I that I understand why that's not like. Uh, I wouldn't want him to prioritize the, it. <laughs> the only the only reason someone might prefer uh, the Mac App Store is uh, for updates. Yeah. Uh, for just having one place where you can go to keep everything up to date, but that's what Mac Updater does exactly, exactly, and, yeah. and it does it better. And it it, like Mac Updater could do like your audio plugins and everything. Um, so no, I I do not. If if something is available off the App Store, I will buy it off the App Store. That said, um, like NV Ultra will be released on the App Store first, just because. From a monetary perspective, the audience to the, for the App Store is far more built in and people uh, like your average Mac user trust the Mac App Store more than they trust going to a website and putting in their credit card information. See, that's what I was going to ask. Like I was going to say, like, is that I, that's I guess what my question was, like, is that still the case? Because I, I, I could have seen that argument a number of years ago, but it, like at this point, A... It, let's we've all talked about this over the years but like let's be honest like the quality in the mac app store is pretty shit and yeah. and it's full of a lot of like you know it's gotten bad yeah it, it's it's like full of like my first app shit or stuff that hasn't mm -hmm. been updated in years and then some really good things where the developers have to go around their ass to get to their elbow to make sure that it works correctly because of some of the api restrictions and other things and like when they it used to be they would do these like featured on the app store content yep and yeah. the, and they would they would highlight like an app I'd never heard of and and it would be a good find. These days they seem to have like these mainstays and they highlight their own products all the time. Um, yep. I can't remember the last time like something like marked got got highlighted by the App Store. Yeah, um, maybe and, they're still help reaching out to indie developers, but it seems less so now. It, yeah, it seems less so. And I also those are those things where like you know you don't know like. I wonder how much that even does in terms of bringing people into it. Like right now there's five ways to customize word and it's, you know, tricks about that. And I don't know who cares about that. Um, last time, last time Mark got featured on the app store, it resulted in about $500 over my usual monthly sales, which is for, for an indie app like Mark, that's, that's a, that's a oh, non-trivial sure. amount of money. 100%. Um, it does bring in new users, but in general, like the app store is not, my I, I have no growth on the app store right it's impossible to find stuff right which i guess that was sort of my thing is like i am not and it's it's not that it's non-trivial i just kind of wonder like at this point um and i know that there have been a number of developers who've had to leave the mac app store for various reasons because being there has, has been too much of a problem like having to do the work of managing both sandboxing versions. sandboxing yeah. and, and and well it's not even so much sandboxing as the app store way of sandboxing because yeah. uh you can still have a sandboxed and like secured yeah. app but then what the app store wants you to do goes like another level beyond that. Mm -hmm. um, so things like Kaleidoscope don't work right. um, and, uh, and and things like that. But like, I, yeah, at this point, I, I understand, I guess, people doing it. But I wonder how much even modern Mac, like newbie, like Mac users, I, I, I guess there's like, obviously with iOS, it makes sense. That's the only place you can go and the app store is good. But I... I wonder, yeah, it's, it's I wonder built how much in, people, so. right. But I wonder like how much people, you know, on like the, you know, the, the normies are really actually even going to the app store. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know.
setup setup is my largest source of monthly income now um is it interesting yeah, yeah. Huh. which i mean like the sales of marked have declined over time and the only reason setup is the largest now setup hasn't grown for a couple years uh, my income from it hasn't um but it stayed steady it stayed steady and and it's monthly recurring income and that's worthwhile uh kaleidoscope went subscription yeah it is it's going to be going subscription uh with uh with the next version um yeah after i bought after i bought my expensive license yeah and and the subscription is not going to be cheap and i talked okay. to i, I talked, talked to, to florian about it um and they put a lot of thought into it and i kind of get it because I totally get marked it. marked has thousands of users that i and I, I make about a grand a month on it, um, even though like there are there's a, a, a small army of dedicated users that if I went subscription, I could be making a lot more money and I would have a lot more impetus to continue developing it. Um, and and I'm starting to really see the wisdom of of the subscription. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, method. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 um, it's one of those things where like I instinctively as like a user am annoyed with like the subscription for everything model. Sure. I get it, but I also have to like understand well as an ongoing business concern if you want to yeah. continue updating things and like Kaleidoscope and in, 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 for instance because I, I I know we both talked to them, but it's one of those things where this is an application that was always expensive that they mm-hmm. took over that it had three or four previous owners had not been well maintained in years and years. And- they fix it and made they a ton it. of cool improvements, like really useful, stuff. really useful stuff. But also like did, you know, the thing where they were un- unbelievably, I think, like, like good to the former owner, like, you know, to mm-hmm. people who had licenses before, like they were really good with support and other stuff. But they took this thing that had basically been dead and had to do a rewrite. Like, I think in a lot of ways, it might have been easier if you would just start it from scratch <laughs> and said, let's create a diff app that is, has similar features than trying to to do what they did. And so it's a ton of work. Um, it, it's an ongoing, you know, price concern. Um, you know, they had the, the Mac app store stuff. The only thing, uh, I helped them with, cause they, they like, let me know that it was happening. I helped them a little bit with the edit of their blog post. Yeah, I, I did too. <laughs> they, <laughs> they sent it out to all the, all the Mac writers. Yeah. Um, I, uh, that does bring up one way that the app store is, uh, handy though, is subscriptions. Yeah. Um, I, I, I used to be very much I used to hate the subscription for everything idea. And it felt like felt like I was just constantly signing up for more and more subscriptions, but I've gotten used to it. Like I get, I get receipts every month. I can keep track of my expenses. I know how to cancel a subscription. Um, most, most places give you a warning before your, if it's a yearly subscription, they'll let you know in advance before that $99 chunk comes out of your account. The app store makes it easy to see all of my app store based subscriptions in one place. And I can just literally go down a list and cancel or renew all in one place rather than having to track down uh, individual subscriptions that I bought outside of the app store. So that is a benefit to subscribing to apps through the app store. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's that's for sure, and that's honestly what Apple is pushing on people. Like they want yeah. everybody to go subscription. Like, uh, particularly, uh, I mean, I, I I'm gonna be honest. I don't think Apple cares that much about the Mac App Store, but yeah. it's particularly one of those things that they are trying to push everybody towards on uh, iOS. Is you know, it, first it went in app purchase, and now it's like they want everything to be subscription. Because um, like, let's be honest, that's where Apple gets their money. Yeah. Uh, 
which is fine. We, we, Fletcher and I both, at the time we started talking about how we were going to price NV Ultra, um, both of us kind of were, we didn't love the idea of a subscription, but the more we talked about it, the more it, it just made sense as a model. That's the word I was looking for, a model, subscription model. Um, and it's actually like, there are a lot of benefits to it, partly because it's so compatible with the app store and, um, it's the only way on the app store you can offer a free trial is if you have subscriptions and in, in app purchases. Um, so, but I, I'm, I'm on board. I've, I've really come around on the subscription thing. Yeah. I I've come around on it in the sense that like for apps that I care about and that I want to do where I get annoyed is if it's an app that I don't even know is like, I'm, it's like, I'm going to use this twice a year. Yeah. Like I don't want to, so I, I don't so want to sign pay. up for the one month subscription and then try to remember to cancel. Try it. to remember to cancel. Exactly. Or try to find another alternative or whatnot. Right. Like that's where I yeah. think it's hard for subscriptions to work. Like I think that if it's going to be something that you use ongoingly, I think it makes like yeah. an ongoing concern. I think it makes sense and I don't have a problem with it where it's more, I think problematic and, and maybe not, at least the way subscriptions work now aren't well designed for it is that if it is like a one-off utility, like yeah. I only use this a handful of times. Wouldn't it be cool if there was like a pay as you go, like a pay, like you want to launch the app and you just pay 99 cents to launch it because you're never going to launch it again or like yeah, not, for, exactly. not for another six months. I definitely have apps like that, but I'm like, I might not use this again for a year. And, and if I subscribe now, I will forget to, to cancel that subscription. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yep. All, All right. right. Yeah. Let's do it. It's we a should long go. one. It's a fun one. I gotta get out of here. Yeah. Yep. Get some sleep, you very good people. Get some sleep. Get some sleep. The system is going down low.